This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Real Estate. Welcome Home Radio. I've been messing up like that lately. It's Welcome Home Radio. It's been that way for 15 years. I don't know where this real estate thing's coming in. <laughs> but anyway, um, this hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the many members that we have and affiliate members. And today is no different. We got a couple of uh, guests here in the studio and they're going to help us understand a lot about a very very important component of a home and that's called water and, and where it comes from uh, we have Tom Krizan of Kings River Drilling good morning good morning how's it going today very good this thank gonna, you this is uh, gonna be exciting yeah yeah it uh, should be I I get excited every Saturday so <laughs> this is good um, we also have Ronnie Silva of Ron Silva Realty here at, and a realtor for most of your life. I'll yep. bet you started when you were one. Cause that was what you consider a real estate brat. Yep. <laughs> What's it like being a real estate brat? So like when you were five years old, did you have to go out on appointments? Oh, yeah. I was um, at the age of five putting signs up, unloading signs out of my dad's 1985 Chevrolet Caprice. <laughs> My son makes it sound like, you know, he, he was disadvantaged because he had to go with me on appointments and all that. But <laughs> lots of patience. Yep. <laughs> However, I wonder if you were like my son. My son got me a lot of business back in first grade. He used to go around telling his friends and their parents that I was a realtor. And I, I have clients to this day that came uh, referred by him. Oh, yeah. In first grade. So were you like that, Ronnie? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Um, all right. So today we're, we're going to talk about water, wells, and pretty much how you buy and sell rural property. Because um, it's different. Um, I'll tell you, if you buy something in the city, um, water is kind of an afterthought where it comes from. The other afterthought is where it goes. Uh, but when you're buying something out in the country, it's all part of the package. So um, let's talk about that. As far as somebody that has what's called a domestic well, so they, they own a couple of acres out in the country, they have to pump their own water. Well, what's that like uh, here in the Central Valley? We're a semi-arid climate we uh, we were in a drought what's what's your business been like Tom well, well <clears throat> I guess to kind of uh, start off uh, the uh, the climate is definitely changing okay uh, I do a fair amount of uh, 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 reading and and not only uh, taking a look at what's happening uh, uh, locally I uh, I do take a look at what's happening internationally and uh, and uh, nationally uh, for example, in uh, 2011 to 2017, we had a major drought. At that time, the governor opened up the the uh, the state line to out-of-state uh, uh, drilling contractors. So we had a lot that came into the area. I remember that. And a lot didn't know what they were doing. And it was interesting. They drilled some holes in areas that <clears throat> that actually went all the way down into uh, uh, salt water. Okay. 
Then what happened, of course, we ended up with rains and, and things like that, and everybody said the drought was gone, okay? And then here, not, not too long ago, we went into another drought. And again, uh, today, uh, the governor says the drought is over, and if you take a look at the drought maps, it looks like it's over, and there's, and it looks like we're fine. But part of the reality is, that's the surface water. That's not the groundwater. So what we see with the groundwater is, depending on where you're located at, uh, you may have shallow water. In, in years past, downtown Fresno used to have artesian wells. Today, uh, the depth of groundwater is about 150 feet directly under Fresno. If you go all the way out to uh, Sanger, uh, close to the Kings River, you'll find water that, you know, at, at about 40 feet, 45 feet. So it kind of really depends on where you're at within, within, the, uh, with, with, within the valley. It also kind of depends on your irrigation district. What's really crazy, a lot of people don't realize how much water that the irrigation districts put into the aquifer. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, Fresno Irrigation District uh, started off back in the 1800s with um, uh, Moses Church, and he dug a lot of canals and things like that and, and made properties you know, valuable for, for agriculture. Uh, but back then, again, the groundwater table was relatively uh, shallow. But Fresno County, or, or, or Fresno Irrigation District and, and Fresno County uh, in the valley here, we have a whole network of, of beautiful uh, 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 canals and things like that. You go to Madeira, and uh, Madeira Irrigation District is uh, rather ra rather skinny. You have only a few canals. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, Fresno area, we find water typically at about 100 feet. You go to Madeira, we're finding water at 300 feet. So it really depends on where you're at. And I'm talking about the valley floor. Uh, floor, which is different from up in the mountains. So you got to drill sometimes 300 feet deep to hit water. If, right. we're in, if we're in Madeira, we're drilling all the way to 600 feet to get to get enough water. Wow. Okay. Now, part of the problem is, is the deeper you go, the closer you come to the bedrock. And that's a whole new set of interesting things. So it's uh, it's pretty interesting, and a little bit later on, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll kind of explain some of the interesting things, even within the local Fresno market here. Well, you got me curious now, Tom. You <laughs> okay. say getting closer to the bedrock. What is that, and how does that affect the water? Well, a lot of people don't realize, even though the valley floor looks flat, the reality is that the hills and the mountains actually continue under the valley here, under the flat floor, okay? Uh, and so you've had dirt that is filled in, th those called alluvial deposits that, it, that pretty much made it look relatively flat if you're just standing there. In reality, it's not flat, but to, to, to the normal eye, it looks flat, okay? So as I drill down, uh, for, well, here, let's be uh, specific. Let's be up around the Herndon uh, Avenue area. I could be drilling on Herndon and Academy. I could drill down maybe 50 feet and also begin to hit rock and believe it or not, I'm, I'm hitting on top of a buried hill. If I move over maybe three, 400 feet, I could be drilling down to 150 feet before I hit rock. Now I'm in a small valley. So there's a lot of things that are underground that you don't see. And from a driller standpoint, we don't see from the top of the ground. And it's kind of like whatever you find, depending on where you're drilling. So is it fair to say that underneath this flat San Joaquin mm -hmm. Valley, it, there's the bedrock or the original floor but we have a new floor on top of it which is part of that alluvial fan all all the runoff so um, you you've got to drill down to the original floor well you know what's interesting um, geologically okay uh, the San Joaquin Valley is the largest valley in the whole world okay we're like 600 feet long about 100 feet across 
So when we say the valley, we're just not talking about Fresno. We're talking about Sacramento and further north. So 600 feet. And alongside of us is the longest mountain range. That's a granitic rock, which happens to be the San Joaquin. So we have two very unique geologic features that are found no place in the rest of the world. But when you come back to the valley, the valley bedrock in the deepest part is deeper than what would be calculated from geologic information. Something is pulling it further down than, than what it should be. So it's just kind of an interesting thing geologically. So if we're in the middle of the valley, we can actually drill several thousands of feet before we even begin to touch bedrock. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a totally different environment. Boy, that's interesting. Yeah. And Ronnie, you and I as realtors, I guess we don't need to know all of this stuff because we have the advantage of getting to hire experts such as a well driller, um, such as a home inspector, a termite inspector. So um, after hearing all this, it, it, you're kind of taking me back to geology class. <laughs> I remember some of that. Right. Um, it, in fact, I, I remember the term alluvial fan. Okay. And mm -hmm. uh, and then how the Sierra Nevadas are all granite and that and a lot of them broke away and that's why we see granite rocks boulders strewn around the alluvial fan. Yeah, and that's why it's really important to, to just when you're when you're looking into rural whether it's uh, you know property on a couple acres with a house or or a farm you know you make sure that the person that you're hiring is someone that's just very well qualified you know what i mean because that's that's your that's your life force right there your water so yeah yeah and speaking of well qualified you mentioned that a few years back people well drillers were coming in from out of state is that yeah. right yeah i just to not cut off tom but i remember that we it was because we had so many wells going dry and and you know if you're good at what you do like a lot of our local guys were they were just so inundated jobs they had to get these guys to come from out of state but like tom said a lot of them didn't know they're not familiar to the area and they were charging just it was it was if you had to drill a wheel back then well back then it was it was a lot of money you know yeah. if you go down to bakersfield during that time uh you you had an awful lot of uh, out of state uh, water well drillers and some of the guys were drilling so deep and they didn't realize it they were actually going all the way down to salt water Many many years ago, you know, geologically, this this just wasn't flat land. This was an inland sea, so there was salt water covering m most of the area, and so we still have salt water deposits at the very deepest part of the valley, and and again, some of the guys drilling, especially down in Bakersfield, were going down a thousand feet, which isn't very deep for an ag well, but for that part of the valley, they were running into salt water and they didn't know it. So now we have wall uh, uh, wells. Mm that that they're trying to irrigate with that the salt content is too high yeah interesting yeah so you have these little nuances that's just one little nugget yep all right and you remember that too ronnie so that's good so yeah, uh, yeah. with that we're going to go to our first commercial break but when we get back we're going to be talking more about rural properties uh wells uh, water quality i want to get into because there's a lot of talk on that <clears throat> and um, how we as realtors can navigate all of that. All right, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome 
back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and today we're talking about rural property. R-U-R-A-L, in case I'm not saying that just right. <laughs> rural properties. And in the studio here with us, we have Ronnie Silva of Ron Silva Realty and also Tom Krizan of Kings River Drilling. And uh, we've been talking in the previous segment about water and, and why you got to drill for it. Um, so I'd like to ask Ronnie this question. What's the biggest difference you see when you sell a property, a home in town in a, nor in a regular subdivision versus selling something out on a couple acres? Well, when we're dealing with rural residential, as we call it, um, you know, we just, we try to, first we try to make sure that the buyer, the consumer knows what they're getting into. You know, sure, it looks nice to be, live on larger acreage and everything, but then we start talking about maintenance. And then, the, but the key factor is the water, and we—that's the biggest thing—is just preparing them of country living and how to um, inspect it properly and make sure they have a good inspector to do the well. You know, check the water productivity report to make sure there's adequate water for what you have on the property. Because some of these single family residents, as you know, sometimes there's around one acre. Some, I think it can go up to maybe 15 acres. You can still do um, consider it a residence. Mm -hmm. So, and then what is being asked of that domestic well? Is it just being asked for the house or is it being asked to supply water to, uh, you know, what we consider like a hobby farm? If it's a citrus crop or something like that. Um, things that you don't really have to worry about when you're dealing with a house in town. You know, you have dedicated water, you pay your city water um, uh, utility bill, and that's it. You know, you always have water. But that's the one thing is that we try to prepare the buyer um, and provide them with the resources so that they can do their proper due diligence on that well that they're going to be using. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and so... When you sell something out in the country, you do more inspections than you would on something in the city. Yeah, so uh, Tom touched on this earlier. So one of the things that you know I, I was blessed to learn from my father and from my grandfather was learning about the districts. So we have, in the Valley, we have Fresno Irrigation District, we have Consolidated Irrigation District, Church, Church District, Laguna District, if you're all the way out in Layton, Westland's on the far west side. And the reason that relates to not just, it's not important just for an agricultural property, but for a rural property, if you're in that area where there's water flowing down those, those canals, those farm surface water, that's water that is, you know, if it's a, a dirt canal, that water can eventually potentially recharge your well too. And then also if you, even if it's a residential property, I find out, um, so let's say if we're in the Fresno Irrigation District on a property in Easton, because there's a lot of Fresno Irrigation District water there. Um, I'll have a two-acre property with a house, and then I'll notice, oh, there's a canal there. Oh, there's, there's a valve uh, going into the um, canal. And the seller might tell me, hey, well, I get Fresno Irrigation District water. I'll, go, I'll tell them, okay, thank you for the info. I'll call the engineering department to confirm that that property is not only there, but it receives it, because to have that canal water is is really a bonus to the property owner because what that can do is whether you're going to have livestock on it or you're going to have you know maybe you're going to have like a hobby farm maybe grow some row crop some corn alfalfa or whatever 
if you get that water, you can actually flood your property, and that actually helps, you know, preserve the life of your well too. So that we we try to find if it's in a district water company or district, see if it receives it, and then from there, um, we you know during their due diligence, we schedule uh, and a well inspection to find out the productivity to see how much information, you know, if there was a well driller's log report, find out how deep the well was drilled. Um, and then during the inspection, find out where the standing water level is, see what the drawdown is when it's pumping, um, and then also see what the gallons per minute is so that you can have a complete port report and really see, you know, how well that well is. From a layman's point of view, I'm gonna ask a question here. <laughs> <laughs> On the gallon. He really did a good job. Oh, thank <laughs> <Okay>. God. <laughs> On gallons per minute, uh, what, what do you normally see out, out here that, in the valley? That's a loaded question, and I think Tom would agree. It's, it, it really depends on, you know, where you're at. Yeah. Uh, just to give you just a, a little bit of background, uh, if you're going to build on a new piece of property and you're beyond a certain point, uh, uh, beyond the Enterprise Canal, uh, you may be required to do what's called the water well yield test. And that's a long-term test to determine the, the capacity of the aquifer, not the pump, but the aquifer. Uh, that test, even if you get down to one gallon per minute, you're still allowed to go and build. Anything below one gallon per minute, you're not. That, so, that's a very good, because that for, for investors or consumers that are just thinking to go build a new house or they're thinking about buying a vacant land property, that's required isn't it's required to even get to permitting correct right correct yeah and, and tom's actually done a couple for me and taught me the process of that right right so one gallon per minute is, is very low the minimum very very low okay yeah if you have one gallon per minute you're going to have to put in a holding tank and with that you end up with a two <clears throat> pump system a pump in the well that pumps the water into the holding tank then as you fill the holding tank you then have a booster pump that uh, provides water to the house and to the landscape uh, irrigation. But one gallon per minute is, is, is as low as it can go. So, and you actually hit on my next question is a holding tank. Um, so do you recommend those uh, for when, when, or are they so expensive that it's not a good idea? Well, again, it has to do, if you're building something new, there's additional requirements as compared to if you're buying an existing piece of property. So if you're building new, you have to do more than if you buy an existing house and then you just wanna modify or make some minor changes. Okay, so let's get back into a, a brand new home. Let's say you're down and, you're, and you have about uh, 10 gallons per minute. Doesn't seem too bad. 10 gallons per minute will not meet the fire requirements for the sprinklers in the house. So you'll still end up with a small storage tank and a booster pump because now you have to meet the sprinkler demand. And depending if you're in Cal Fire or one of the fire districts, you may have to have a separate storage tank just uh, to provide water to the fire truck when they try and put the fire out or, or maintain the fire. So it gets a little more complicated than just saying the gallons per minute. And Tom, don't you have, you have to have that storage tank for the fire department during the construction of the new home too, right? It depends on the county. Oh, got it. Tulare County does require it, Fresno County at this time or Cal Fire does not, oh. even though that may change in the future, especially with droughts and things like that. But yeah, yeah. it does depend on, on, on the fire district. 
All right. So that was a loaded question I asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shot myself in the foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, what's, Tom, what's your preference uh, for what, what area do you usually find lots of water? And what areas do you usually have a hard time? You know, it's really interesting. Obviously, the closer you get to any continually running river, you stand a better chance of finding more water. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. The Kings River is probably one of the best sources in this local area. If you go to Madeira to, to the Fresno River, that's an intermittent river. So you don't have nearly as much water. So it really kind of depends. So the very best, the very best source, at least in the local area, happens to be the Kings River. Now the San Joaquin is interesting because it runs a lot of water, but if you look at it topographically, it sets much lower. It's set in a valley, like when you go down Highway 41, you drop down into the San Joaquin, you know, valley, okay, or San Joaquin River Valley. So the water is lower, so it puts it deeper or deeper in the aquifer. So any wells in that general area. <coughs> are often deeper than if you're next to the Kings River. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw out just a little bit of history. It kind of makes it interesting, okay? As you're driving down Highway 41, heading north, you go down, and the first thing that you see right at the at the embankment, okay, at the cliff, well, it looks like a dirt road on both sides, and I don't know if you've ever noticed that. For years and years and years, nobody knew what that was. I finally figured out after after researching it out for a long time, it used to be a canal that took water before the uh, 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 Friant uh, uh, Canal was installed to try and get uh, water all the way down to Klein's truck stop area, which was a German town, and it never carried water. They tried mm -hmm. multiple times, but they couldn't get water to go down. So a lot mm -hmm. of people think it's a it's it's a roadway, a lot of other things, but that that's an old that's an old canal that never worked. Kind of just a point of interest. It just makes a little bit of history. All right. Hey, and that's what this show is for, to give us that uh, all that knowledge. Right. Inter and interesting facts, whether we ever use them or we don't use them. <laughs> all right. Um, what's the difference? This is going to be a basic question, but <clears throat> what's the difference in groundwater versus surface water? and being able to obtain it for a residential home. You want me to take Yeah, you want to take off. So, um, so ground surface water is, or groundwater is the water that we pump. So that would be your domestic well. Your surface water would be water that's coming in from a district. So like I was talking about earlier, if you are blessed to have a rural residential property in a district, um, just because you're in the district doesn't mean you're guaranteed to receive it just means you're guaranteed to pay the taxes. <laughs> so um, we're our, we actually have a family ranch in near the Easton area and we farm some Chandler walnuts on it and we receive resident irrigation district water um, and all that's required of us. It's a really, it's probably one of the best districts to be in and you pay your taxes and then you, the uh, ditch center will let you know when that water runs. So the nice thing is is when you when you are allowed to use the canal water you just they'll tell you hey you have it for the next three days run it as long as you want and in a year like this the water will probably run gosh it's it'll i don't know i think they have so much we have so much uh snow melt that it's probably going to run until um pot potentially october for fresno irrigation district um so how do you use it you have to have the right to use it you would usually find it in your preliminary title report it's somewhere in there. Um, and then 
you'll have easements to be able to access it. And sometimes you have to go across other neighbors to turn the valves on to get to that canal. Um, but that's how you, you confirm it so that you can use it. So what, do you actually just siphon it <coughs> off of the canal? No, they have valves right there at the canal. You turn it on, or if you, if you don't have a canal going right by you, but you have a pipeline, um, there's easements established throughout the years um, to enable property owners to go into other property uh, owners' properties, and you go to different um, areas to turn that water on if you're far away from the canal. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but you have to have you have to check with the engineering department to guarantee that you actually receive water. There's water rights for that, and then you would turn it on there, and then it would come through your pipe system. Some people have it already piped to their hobby farm orchard, or just a couple of valves for row crop. Yeah. Oh. Now, now, uh, now, uh, one one of the things also, uh, you're only allowed to take uh, canal water during certain certain times of the year. Yeah. Even though water may be flowing down the canal, you only have a certain period that that your property is allowed access to that. In my particular case, I'm right next to a canal, but uh, uh, physically my property's too high. So even though I pay the taxes, I don't have the benefit of, of actually using the water. Correct, and that's why you always have to check with the engineering department, right. whether it's Consolidated Irrigation District, um, Fresno Irrigation District, and and they'll let you know if you receive it or not. And then they'll, uh, they'll let you know who your ditch tender is, and that ditch tender will tell you. They'll just call you up and say, hey, you're going to be receiving water. Do you want it, yes or no? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Some interesting thoughts there. It is time for our next commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. If I could just come in, I swear I'll leave. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that built me. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio from Kings River Drilling and Well Services, we have Tom Krizan. And also from Ron Silva Realty, we have Ronnie Silva, um, a lifelong realtor. Yes, sir. <laughs> Even though you weren't licensed at the age of five, you right. were still working yep. it. Yep, that's right. <laughs> All right. So um, when, when you, Ronnie, when, as a realtor, when you order a well report, a water report for your client, I guess the big things you would look at would be the productivity of the well, but also the water quality. Tell us about that, and then we're going to go to the expert here to get the, the real story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tom knows way more than I do about it. But, um, yeah, just growing up and learning the process throughout my real estate career, um, we definitely do the water productivity and the water quality. Um and honestly, I'm actually going to defer to Tom because Tom knows way more than I do about it. But just from like the basic stuff, we look at gallons per minute, uh, where the standing water level is, what the drawdown is when that um, water is being pumped. And then if we're able to find it, the original well driller's log report, will actually, which will actually tell us the depth of the well. So then we can actually review that information with our clients. And then when as, as a realtor, since I'm not an expert in the field, I usually... Tom is who I use on all my um, productivity and water quality testing. I'll actually defer to him depending on the location of the property and what tests he would recommend. So, okay, good. Uh, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking about domestic wells. Okay, so yes. let, let's kind of focus there. Uh, one of the first things when uh, Ron uh, uh, when Ron calls me, 
I want to take a look at the general area. So I have uh, uh, access to different databases that may tell me the uh, the depth of different wells w within that particular area. So I first look at that to try and get a handle on what's been done historically, how deep are the wells, how deep were the wells, uh, historically, how deep was the water. So so I try to get a, a general feel for that that area. Then once I physically go out there, one of the things that we don't do, so let me kind of start a little bit backwards. Typically, we don't pull the pump out. The downside to not pulling out the pump is that you cannot see the bottom of the well from the top of the ground. There's no way to look past the water, past the pump, to go all the way down to the bottom. The reason that we don't pull the pump, years ago we used to, is that what we found out that sometimes when you pull the pump, you lay it on the ground, okay? You put it back in, you introduce bacteria or, or something else, and now you've got a liability issue. So we've kind of, as an industry and, and um, my company, we've moved away from pulling the pump out. We just don't think that's a good idea, especially for the cost of the service, because it costs a lot more to pull the pump. Plus you got all the additional, you know, if, if I'm working for the buyer, how can I have the seller, you know, indemnify me in case we do something, okay? Also, mm -hmm. if a pump is older, I'm pulling out a used piece of equipment, not trying to reassemble it, put it back in. If it doesn't work, whose fault is that again? So to make a long story short, we typically do not pull the pump out, okay? So the risk versus the reward. You can't see the bottom, right. but the reward is you're not contaminating that pump. Or I may not be screwing up a pump that's working, mm -hmm. and it may be, if you jar it, it, it you, may, you may disrupt it. So how... I, it probably wasn't that important then to be able to see the bottom. Well, I do try and get, just like Ronnie said, uh, years ago they used to call it the driller's log. Today it's called the well completion report. And what we're finding is, well, well here, years ago that report was uh, strictly confidential. So the only person that, was, that, that had access to it was the property owner and maybe the agency. Then when the drought happened back in, like I said, uh, 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 2011, uh, the governor now made that uh, uh, public information. So now this public, of course, I'd like to go and see it. What we have found that within Fresno County, only about two out of 10 were ever properly reported historically. In other words, the county just doesn't have any records, the state doesn't have any records. So I do have a chance that I can find it, but there's a high probability that I cannot. Okay, so th then the first thing we do is when we go out there, is that we open up the sample port and I want to know I want to know the depth of water. And as we turn everything off, let it settle, I want to know where the static water is at. And then with the knowledge of, 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 of what I acquired by uh, looking at the maps, uh, that kind of tells me, is that what I expected? Is the water w where I think it should be? Uh, the next step is we do go into a, a drawdown test. Only a few firms do that now. And what that is, as I'm running the pump, I'm measuring how much the water is going down as I'm pumping water out. <clears throat> Then after my drawdown test, we turn everything off and we allow it to recover. That probably tells me more information than the drawdown test because the drawdown test is really telling me what the pump is doing and is the pump doing faster than what the aquifer is filling the water back in. But the recovery test really tells me what the geology is doing. You can't replace that. So that becomes a really important number. I, I actually use a, 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 a proprietary uh, spreadsheet to calculate how much water is coming back into the well. Uh, we we then do other things. We take a look at the the uh, the pressure tank and the and the uh, 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 pressure switches and other mechanical and and plumbing components, and we try and assess those. 
most domestic pumps uh, for, for most houses are, are typically a one horse, horse and a half, maybe two horse. That's the most common that we find. Those types of pumps typically last about 15 years. So if it's much older than 15 years and some of the control boxes will have a date code. So I look for that date code and you have to understand how to read it. So I read the date code and I say, okay, how old is the control box? I assume it's the same date for the pump that's in the ground because they're usually changed at the same time. So if we're approaching 15 years, I know that we're getting kind of to the life of that particular pump. But in addition, we'll take readings on the power wires and I take a look at the amperage. A submersible pump is made up of two parts. So I have an electric motor and on top of the electric motor is a physical pump and then the pipe that comes to the top of the ground. So the pump is really a two part piece. So looking at the amperage tells me how healthy the windings are, how healthy the electric motor portion is. And then based on how much water is coming out the top, then that kind of tells me how, uh, how healthy the whole pump is. We also take a look at vibrations and noise and things like that. And uh, by the time we get done, our reports are anywhere from 16 to 20 pages long. Uh, we include uh, photographs with a lot of labeling. I, uh, our product is more like a user's manual because a lot of people that are moving into the country have never been on a well. They don't even know what the parts are called. All, all, all that I tell them, the water tastes better typically than does in the city because there's no chlorine, okay? And that's one of the things I will commend Tom for, and that's why we switched from um, previous well inspectors is I used to get one sheet and that was that was a report with tom you get you know pages and pages of information educational information and then information about that particular well and then the ability to call him and say hey what's all this mean <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah too yeah so. yeah we we try to make it like a user's manual and and to be honest with you uh we've gotten a lot of compliments from a, diff, a lot of different uh realities uh saying that that has enhanced the, the whole transaction because it's not an unknown now. We make it very visible. Well, and to that point, I remember calling Tom uh, on a uh, well inspection that he did for one of my clients not too long ago. And I think one of the bright spots, and it really made the buyer happy, was to know that the you told us the water level was at 25 and a half feet. Um, whereas there was a previous report done a year earlier, it was at 33 feet. So you could see that the water level has risen eight feet, uh, be, I guess because of all the, the rain we've had. You know, what's interesting is that typically <clears throat> within most of the valley, uh, the rains have had minimal impact on the groundwater table. However, there's some really unique situations. Once again, if you're closer to the major rivers, there's almost an immediate impact. But the big thing that I found is up in the mountains where you have hard rock wells, and almost all those that I've measured since, the, since this year have all been higher than what I expected. In other words, we're getting pretty good recharge up in the hard rock, which I didn't expect when, when, uh, when we had those massive rains. That really did a, a really positive thing for this part of the valley. Mm -hmm. I wanna to touch now on water quality. So let's say you got lots of production, but you got things floating around in there that aren't very good for drinking. Well, <laughs> What, what should a buyer look out for? I'll start with you, Tom. Well, in Fresno County, there's two major, well, here, let me back up. There's 90 different things that are, uh, th th that we have numbers for uh, uh, from the EPA. So there's 90 different water tests you can run on 90 different things. It's impossible to look at a bottle of water or at a water sample and say, oh, I'm gonna test for all 90. 
if we did, I wouldn't be on the radio station here. I'd be on vacation because I'd be making too much money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the most typical things within Fresno County and in this general area is bacteria and nitrates. Now, when I deal with Ronnie, Ronnie says, well, I want to know about pesticides, too. I go, okay, well, it's going to cost more. Okay, <laughs> so Ronnie's really good when it comes to the pesticides, okay? But bacteria and nitrates. Bacteria, uh, what we're finding is in most water wells that are used, that are active, uh, typically we don't find any bacteria. But what I am finding, if a well has been, say somebody's uh, selling a piece of property that's been vacant for several months, it does build up bacteria, even though initially the well maybe didn't didn't have any. I don't know where the bacteria is coming from, but there's two types of bacteria that we look at. We look at what's called total coliforms, and I'll kind of use the example. This is like saying people live in Fresno. You don't know if they're bad, good, or in between. We just know people live in Fresno. Then there's E. coli, which is saying this is really bad stuff, and that usually comes from septic tanks or, or things like that. So mm -hmm. bacteria is one, and the other thing is nitrates. The nitrates typically comes from fertilizers. All right. And so why is it that you really want to look towards pesticides? Well, because being rural, we're in a farming community, and a lot of the properties we, we deal with, you might have, yeah, it's, it's on a two-acre piece, but that two-acre piece is surrounded by 20 acres, 40 acres, 100 acres of actively farmed either Thompson's, Thompson Vineyard, almonds, pistachios, anything. And it's just good to have to go the extra mile and just have Tom pull the you know the complete um, um, water quality test and check for those things in addition to nitrates and everything. Right. And it costs a little bit more, but it's just it's worth it. All right. We're and and also the you if there there's one of them that if you I can't remember which one is a CBD. It's the one that if it's at a certain high level, you have to have a filtration system on. Correct. So Correct. there's a couple. We yeah. do need to go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned because we got more to tell you about water. So uh, stay tuned. Thank you. I'm proud of the house we built. It's stronger than sticks, stones, and steel. It's not a well, welcome back. Welcome to Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And we have Tom Krizan of Kings River Dr Drilling, and we also have Ronnie Silva of Ron Silva Realty. Um, here and we've been talking about water water and water and how it pertains to property and how important it is um all right so in the last segment we talked about stuff being in the water water quality um tom are those things solvable let's, yeah. let's say you have e coli uh e coli is bad no, no okay so if we have e coli can it be solved yes uh, the biggest thing with E. coli, though, is wh why do you have it? Because it's not typical. What we have found during the last heavy rains that quite a few wells ended up with E. coli because surface water ran down into the well and carried with it that bacteria. That's the first time I have found so many repetitive wells with E. coli. That's typ I typically find maybe one to two per year. At the beginning of this year, I think I had five in a row, which which I thought maybe my testing was wrong, and no, the lab said I was I was doing the right thing. So that's a little bit different. And, the, and I think I made the question harder by saying E. coli <laughs> when I meant to say coliform. Oh well, coliforms is easy, okay? <laughs> so, okay, E. coli is the bad guys. MS thirteen is E. coli. We don't want them. Okay? You can tell I live in the city. Got it. Now, you're a city boy. 
Yeah. Okay, so so total coliforms is just a general. Everybody has bacteria on their hands. Okay, once again, typically groundwater does not have a lot of bacteria. So if we test an active well, we typically don't find it. Okay, but if a well has been setting at a vacant piece of property, uh, we find it. I often tell the party I would prefer to disinfect the well after somebody moves in because it's a process I want to go through and not just put something into a well that's that's inactive. So that's kind of a side note. So the answer is yes, that's pretty easy to go and fix. The next thing is kind of nitrates. Nitrates have become very, very, uh, 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 or, or put this way, there's quite a few wells that have nitrates. And, and again, that's because of fertilizers and things like that. The, uh, if you eat, and this is what, what I tell people quite often, if you eat three to Wiener Schnitzel hot dogs, you probably exceeded your nitrates <laughs> for the full week, okay? <laughs> so the level's pretty low. And it really affects the smallest of infants that their immune systems and everything haven't fully developed. So if you have a, 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 a brand new baby, that's when you want to really worry about nitrates. If it's over a certain uh, number, you could buy an under the sink kit from one of the big box stores and just do an install yourself. Now there's other things that could be in water and we don't test for necessarily a lot of other things. However, if you have, if it smells, if there's other issues, if you have hard water, then we quite often refer the customer to one of the uh, uh, um, filtration companies. And, and there's a few out there that, that, are, that are pretty good. Uh, the one thing I do warn my customers, their job is to sell you a filtration system, okay? And, and uh, so, so put in what you need. You don't necessarily have to put in extra. So yes, there are, are ways to go and fix things. All right, and Ronnie, when you're helping a, a buyer looking through all this information and they go, whoa, you know, here's a thing that's at 0.555 and it shouldn't be past 0.4, how do, how do you calm them, or how, how do you bring good sense to the transaction so that you can solve them yeah solve these problems one of the things i was blessed with though is i've always lived in the country so you know been raised around it know the right questions to ask and then um and then now living on my property we live in the country and so the first thing i do is we look at it if there's a high number i always tell them to talk directly to tom or whoever their inspector is because they're the professional i i tell them the trends like the ways that you know we've found to um fix the issue but then I always have them talk directly because that's why you know they are paying that professional and they're going to do a far better job than I am at um, explaining it to them but then like we tell them it's solvable it's it's fixable but you need to hear it from the professional and not your realtor yeah yeah right. and they usually they like that they like that you know I'm not just trying to sell them something I'm telling them hey look at it and ask the right questions and and go from there and I like what you're saying Ronnie <clears throat> because the realtor we we're more of the the coach not the the expert in every field i mean it's not like you can look at a little thing and say that's a dry wood termite or a subterranean termite we're we're not the expert on that but we know that something's not right so let's go to the expert yeah and that's what i tell a lot of our agents i say listen you you're it's not required for you to know everything that's not your job your job is to you know, rely on the professionals in a field that you're not experienced or educated in. And I think that's some problems some, some people make, but they just need to, you know, feel that they're doing their job by seeking the expert advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, we have a few minutes left. So I, 
Tom, I'd like to ask you, are there any points that we haven't made yet that our listeners need to know? Well, uh, I, I do think there's something that's kind of of interest. Okay, there's a lot of families out there that do not have the financial resources to uh, fix their well, or if they run out of water, to put in a new well. So this isn't necessarily an ad, but Self-Help Enterprises has been able to amass a fairly large uh, uh, grant from the state of California to help a lot of our residents in the valley here. And we deal with a lot of families that just don't have the, I mean, fixing a well costs a lot of money, drilling wells a lot more. So at, at least it's nice that we have that particular agency. They're out of Visalia, but they cover the entire, the entire valley and we find them highly responsive. And That's that great all, to know. Yeah. And it's called what? Uh, self-help enterprises. And in fact, when I'm talking with a customer, I have it built in automatically into my text messages. I say, okay, here, call this number. I give them the name and everything. I hit one button and they have all the information. Yeah. Okay. That's Thank awesome. you. Ronnie, any points that we haven't made yet that you feel is important for our clients? Um, the only one would be that if someone's looking at um, not just rural residential, but if they're considering agricultural investment or buying, you know, buying a um, income producing farm, you know, find out if you're in a district because, you know, when, because lenders and realtors and appraisers, when you're valuating a property, if you do receive uh, district water from a certain district, you can get, um, um, we consider those properties to be worth more per acre value. So just do your research. Okay. Now the big question, Tom, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? About the show or, or about me? <laughs> <laughs> the show. Well, okay, cool. This is a great show. Uh, uh, it's, it's been a wonderful opportunity to talk about water. And I guess one thing that's a little extra, uh, we're one of the few firms that answers after hours. So if you have any questions, I pick up the phone 24 hours. Okay, well, that's good to know. That's Kings River Drilling. Ronnie Silva, what do you... What do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? Um, just uh, when considering buying real property, just do your due diligence and know that there are no um, dumb questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Yep. Okay. 30 seconds or less for each of you. Ronnie, what's your best advice? Best advice in buying real estate advice. Real estate advice. Um, I, I just have to go back to the due diligence, really. Um, do your due diligence, you know, research, research, research. And then if you're on the selling side of things, disclose, disclose, disclose. All right. <laughs> and Tom, how about you? Uh, there's quite a few changes that are coming down the pike having to do with water and groundwater. And uh, you, you, you want to have a good expert to go to. So in the next few years, things are going to be a lot different. All right. And I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in today. I hope you got something from this. Um, I sure did. And, of course, I'm, a, like I said, a city slicker. So uh, I learned a lot about um, from today's show. Thank you to all our listeners, and thank you to Tom and Ronnie thank for you. coming in and helping us out. We'll be back next week.